0: lipstick on a pig, which uh, is a saying that people say when people are presenting a facade as truth and uh, ignoring what the core thing behind the lipstick is. And as we looked at this and and we looked at this, this saying and saying, wow, we do this a lot in our life. And how we do this is in lots of different ways. Some of us, uh, we do it with our jobs, and somebody asks, you know, you know, who we are. We'll say we're a lawyer, or we're a doctor, or I'm a student, or all these kind of things. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with those things, but those things are not our identity. Or uh, people will put forward uh, uh, and find their identity in the things that they have or uh, the body or, or, you know, their, their uh, plastic surgery that they get. And when we place our value in these things and we try to present these things as who we are, we're on a grand adventure of just missing the point. And the, the point is that we are, the most important thing as we see in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, is that we're meant to be holistic worshipers, that we are meant to love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And we've begun this journey to try to go beyond the lipstick and, and really look at our lives and try not to elevate anything else except the things that are the most important thing to God. And we looked at how we can uh, elevate these different things. How do we elevate our intellect? How do we become learners? And we looked about at that last week. Right? And how do we how do we face our emotional giants? How do we grow spiritually? How do, how do we do these kind of different things? And uh, one thing that we started out this journey on is we wanted to succeed. And so often when we go on a journey or we have a challenge or we have something that we wanna do, uh, a lot of times we fail. And we fail for different reasons. So we started the first week of looking at, when we have a big thing on our plate, Either becoming holistic worshipers, becoming the heart and mind of Christ, or or just something in our life that God has called us to do. What are some of the pitfalls? The common pitfalls that have people fail. And we looked at those, and the first one was that they people are not clear on the goal. Not being clear on the goal is always a recipe for failure. That that you know, they, there's a saying. It's you know, it says if you you if you don't have a target you'll always hit it that that you that we need to know where we are going another reason people fail is that they succumb to fear one thing is fear of failure that so many times we can be afraid of of what people will think if if we fail at a certain endeavor that's why when a lot of us we go on a diet or we want to write a book or we want to graduate and do you know get another degree that we don't tell anybody and we may elevate that and go, I don't want to brag or I don't want to do anything like that. But really, when we keep those things to ourselves, if you really dig deep, a lot of times it comes to, you know what, I'm afraid of failure and I'm afraid of what people will think. We're also afraid of success because with success, as we talked about, that comes responsibility. Another one is that people give up too early. People give up too early. I, I think about, about uh, so many people who are going along in their journey, and I wonder how many great inventions or how many great ideas did not come to fruition. How, how, how many success stories have we not heard and never were written because somebody gave up too early? You know, it's, uh, one thing that's always been difficult in my life is, is math. And uh, knowing that, I, I decided to get my bachelor's of science in marketing where you have to take a lot of math. That's how smart I am. And uh, uh, I would go along and, I, and I, I went to this really nice place uh, every single day uh, during my math classes. They called it the Resource Center. And I didn't realize until much later, that's where they sent the dumb people who just couldn't get it right. It, and they they tricked us with a nice name called the Resource Center. And as we sat there and we were resourced, I don't even know what that means, but uh, on math, it was in there and everything just seemed confusing to me. It just, it wasn't something that I naturally gravitated to. And there were... I remember that, you know, I wanted to give up, but there was this moment this kind of, and, and if, any, if there's any teachers in this room, one of the greatest things for a teacher is when they have a student that has that aha moment. It was like, oh, it, it makes sense now. Well, I'd like to tell you that I'm a math whiz and, and everything now, and, and I had that aha moment. I, I had an aha moment enough to get through it. But, but a lot of us, we just, we, we do not fulfill the, the vision that God has for our lives because we give up too early. And it just grieves me to think how many times that we get up against an obstacle and something's hard and we just throw up our hands. Uh, the other thing is uh, people fail because they trust themselves. Again, this is against every self-help book that you'll ever read. That, that, you know, but the truth is that people rarely fail in new ways. We're very uncreative when it comes to failing. We find a way it works and we stick with it. And that's why we need to look outside of ourselves and say, you know what? I need help in this area. And that's why people fail too, is they lack support. They lack people coming in and speaking truth to them and saying, you know what? I love you enough to tell you that the reason that you repeatedly fail in this area in relationships or money or, or jobs or, or whatever it is, is because you have this pattern in your life that when things go hard, get hard, you always go back to it. So why do people succeed? We looked at that the next week and we used an acrostic called Hot Lips. And uh, the first one was to have a reason or a goal, being crystal clear on what you are meant to do. Crystal clear on that. Oh, we said that we need to have a spirit of PLSD pleased and not of fear that if God has called us to do something, he has given us a, power, a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline, not of fear. And if we are on that track and we are experiencing fear, we can know that that is not from God because God has given us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. The T was to take one more step. And we talked about it in a race, that the difference between someone who finishes and the person who does not finish is the people who finish always take one more step until they reach the prize. And then finally, we need people around us who have lips, people who love us, love us enough to tell us the truth, who inspire us to outbursts of love and good deeds, people who push us, not shove us, but push us to take that one more step, and people who are steadfast in their commitment to us, and as we went on this uh, begin beginning of this and saying, you know what, we want to succeed. We we want something to change. We want our paradigm to change, because we've all looked in the past and said, you know what, I want to be closer to God. I want to I want to learn things. I I, I want to be emotionally healthy, and all these kind of things. But for some reason, life. Invades. Things invade and, and take us out of what we want to do. And we looked at that saying that, that said that unseized time flows toward our weakness. That, you know what, if, we, if we're not intentional in how we spend our time, that that time will just flow to the weakest area in our life that we don't naturally progress, that it takes intentionality. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. And we're going to be looking at what Paul talks about, about spending our time. And uh, when I was writing this message, and talking about spending time, I, I titled it The Budget. And budget's got a bad rap. Uh, especially with my kids, like if something is is not very good, they go, "Oh, that's budget," <laughs> and and I'm like, you know, budget's a good thing, you know. Budget al- gives you freedom and allows you to know that you're doing things with your money or with your time that that is has purposes and moving you toward a goal. You know, I I I tell my kids, you know. You know, it might be budget, but we do this today or it's dog food tomorrow. that that we need to look at how much resources that God has allowed allotted to us and to invest those with with intentionality in every step. So Paul starts off uh, in verse fifteen. He says, "So be careful how you live. Now it's interesting in the in the Greek here, it actually says, be accurate in every step you take would be more of a literal translation. And right before there, he talks about being asleep and sleepwalking. And he's using this imagery to say, you know what? Don't walk around like you're, you're sleepwalking, but being intentional in each and every step that you take. Not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Now underline that word opportunity in your Bibles. This is a really important word. There's an old Chinese adage, it says this. It says, opportunity has a forelock so you can seize it when you meet it. Once it is passed, you cannot seize it again. Once opportunity is passed that lock, it is locked for life. And Paul's writing here saying, make the most of every opportunity. Our word opportunity in the English comes from the Latin and it's actually a sailing term. And it's literally, or it, it implies toward, toward the port, that the opportunity that you're moving toward the port. And the idea is if you're on a ship, uh, a sailing ship and, and a wind comes that's moving you toward your destination that you seize that opportunity. You you take the most adva- the advantage out of that wind coming your way because we all know in, that only a fool would go out and lower their sails and just drift back and forth with the tides and expect to get anywhere. There's a Old uh, sailing uh, saying. It says, "When a pilot does not know what port he is heading for, no wind is the right wind." Have you ever met somebody like that? That that there's so much opportunity that God is blowing through somebody's life, and they just complain. This is not the right opportunity. This is not the right help. This, is, this, is, this isn't the right time. There's always an excuse. No, when you do not know where you're heading, no wind, no opportunity is ever going to be the right one because you can't distinguish which way you're going. But we know where we're going. We know what God has called us to do. We have clarity that the main thing in life is to have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people. And we need to figure out how are we going to seize the opportunities that come through our lives to to build ourselves, build ourselves and relentlessly pursue the men and women that God has created us to be. So I sat down and I started working on a time budget. And you know, time is, is one of those life's great equalizers. We're all given 24 hours a day. Every one of us, 168 hours a week. It's not like money or anything like that, that we, you know, we can't inherit more time. You know, 24, that's it. 168 a week, that's it. What it is, it is. And it's always amazing to me when you look at different people and you, you see what they are accomplishing in life and, and accomplish in life and go, how do they do it? And I think that we can go back to Scripture and say, you know what, they probably are living out verse 15 where it says they are being careful in every step that they take. They're being careful how they live. They do not live as fools, but as those who are wise making the opportunity. To do the most good. So I was looking and I was making making a budget, and there's some fixed costs, time costs that each and every one of us have. You know, the first one is eight hours a, a night sleeping. Now, don't laugh at me, don't laugh me off the stage. I know that, you know, we've all seen the infomercials of, you know, beds that say you can sleep five hours and you get eight hours equivalent on and stuff like that but the reality is that that we all need sleep if you don't believe me grab a few of your closest friends and stay awake for several hours or excuse several days or a week and see if your friends at the end of the week (laughs) I I, the reality is that we get tired and our, our our fuses get shorter we get more snippy that, that things that are a minor irritant become magnified. That amazing things happen when we sleep. You know, they, you know, you hear these reports and these always, you know, make me just laugh when I hear reports that, you know, like these big government studies and say, you know, yeah, uh, you know, that you really should eat well. You know, eating well will give you a, a better life or something like that. You're know, like... How much of our tax dollars went to that study? Well, I heard a study the other day about a, a psychologist who came out with this huge study saying, yeah, you know what? The humans humans really do need sleep. Really? <laughs> well, that, 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 that's, you know, that's earth shattering. But the truth is that, that, you know, emotionally, sleeping does us so much good. Physically, it does good that, 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 so many things heal during those times and it rejuvenates us to go forward. So we need to have our sleep. And for a lot of us, you know, the idea of eight hours of sleep in a, in a night is just laughable. But the truth is, unless you have a baby, there's <laughs> exceptions to everything I hear the new mom laughing at me, but I understand. But under normal circumstances, not that having a baby is abnormal. <laughs> I'm just gonna cut you out yeah, right here. We're good, right? Okay, all right. That, uh, that under normal circumstances that we can go to bed early, earlier and we can get those times, it just has to be a priority in our life. The other thing is, you know what? Basically, most of us work about 10 hours a day um, or 50 hours in a work work week. These are fixed times. And then we spend a couple hours eating or 14 hours uh, uh, a week eating. Uh, You know, these are things that, you know what, we really can't do a whole lot with. So what does that leave us with? And that's some discretionary time. And, And really we have, when you look at it, we only have about four hours a day during a work week, if you work Monday through Friday, four hours a day to really do all the the high-level stuff that we've been talking about. You know, working on our spiritual health, intellectual, emotional, all of these kind of different things. And then also some of the other, like really high, high stuff like doing your laundry, and things like that. It's a lot to do in four hours, but somehow we need to figure out how do we how do we spend that time. And then we get basically about forty-eight hours a week. You get about twenty extra hours for the weekend if you don't work on the weekend. You know, there. So figuring out, you know, how am I gonna? honor my family and spend with them and build relationships? How how am I going to be constantly learning and all these kind of things? And really asking those questions, how am I going to spend this time and not be like a fool who's like just sleepwalking, but actually intentionally saying, these are the things that are important and that I need to get done. Because remember, unceased time flows toward our weakness and the truth is that life is much bigger than just a moment you know we love to watch in tv shows and, and movies where one moment makes somebody it sets the stage for the rest of their life or or how their pub, the public perceives them but the truth is that our lives are a sum total of the choices that we make on a daily basis and it's true on every level and to have a truly meaningful and significant life, you can see that we only have a very little time to really invest and make the most out of every opportunity that we have. So Paul continues in chapter 17, he says, don't act thoughtlessly. But try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Again, relentlessly pursue who God has created you to be. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Now, Paul isn't necessarily taking a shot at drinking here or, or being drunk. Really, uh, when you look at the original Greek, he's, he's really talking about debauchery and just and just being wasteful with your time. And, and he's trying to draw this imagery of instead of being a fool and filling yourself up with alcohol, fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit and let Him control you. So what, what, is, what does that mean? Where, where does that bring us? Well, there's nine fruits of the Spirit that are found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, Paul writes here, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. And I always find it helpful to have benchmarks of like how your progress is. And and the fruits of the Spirit are one of those kind of benchmark type of things where you can kind of do a self-assessment test. Like you can sit there and go, love, how loving of a person am I? This is a fruit of a Spirit. How loving am I, am I a loving person or or do I just kinda just be self-indulgent and I really don't give that much of myself or to others? Or joy, this is like the lost Christian attribute. I mean, you get odds, but it's true. It, 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 it's almost non-existent in the 21st century church and it, I know it must grieve God's spirit. But we're so busy and, and, and a lot of us just don't experience that joy. It's there. Christ died on the cross so we can experience but because of circumstance and bad choices we, we miss out on this, this life experience of what joy is. How about peace? So many of us, Don't experience peace. And peace is not the absence of conflict. It's something that's much deeper. It's this spirit about us. This steadiness, this confidence. How about patience? Are you a patient person? You know, the best, like, if you want to know if you are a patient person or not, go to Walmart, like right before an FSU game, and just, I don't buy some Tic Tacs or something, and just stand in line. Man, if you can make it through that line without sinning, then you're a patient person. <laughs> I, I I don't know what it is. I mean, this is the one. that just I, I'm I'm doing pretty good, man. I, I mean, I'm getting pious and everything. All I got to do is go to Walmart, stand in line, and I, I'm thinking the most evil, dark thoughts you could ever imagine. I I get you know I go home and I'm like I'm such a pagan sinner. I got to do something. <laughs> I mean, there's there's just something. I mean, that that is a trial by fire right there. <laughs> Kindness. You know, do you instinctively instinctively Are you kind to people? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are fruits of the Spirit. These are things that if our lives aren't demonstrating these things, then you know what? We can know that there's some root work or some fertilizer that we need to lay down and we need to reassess our budgeting of our time. To figure out, how how am I going to produce these kinds of fruit? It's not easy. It's not something that just comes. It's something that's counter to our nature. And it takes being intentional to fulfill. Paul also, in verse 19, he adds four more to this list. He says, Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves making music to the Lord in your hearts you know it's amazing when we are carrying out being intentional and we're connecting with others and all these kind of different things what happens it it grows out just it stops being about just us and it starts impacting everyone around us and this idea that we connect with one another and we We express our connectedness in song to our God. And then he continues and writes about six words here, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And I love that, 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 you know what? What's important to God, and we see this as a principle in Scripture time and time again, God doesn't care about the lipstick. He doesn't care about the facade that you put forward. He doesn't care if you sing on key or not. The person next to you may, but God does not. What's important to God is the music that you're making in your heart. The core part of you. Verse 20, and you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, this attribute of, of being grateful. And then finally, and further, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is not a hierarchical submission that Paul's talking about here. This is the idea of submission in love. Love of taking a step back and saying, you know what, is it really that important? And really loving the person that you're with enough to make allowances for their faults and to build an intentional relationship where you both can speak into one another to grow and encourage each other. The four results is that we are singing and we're connecting with one another. We're connecting with God that we have this spirit of gratitude and reverence for our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, I wrote in the Going Deeper this week and I want to encourage you guys to do it. It's kind of a a first stage, a first step in, in making a budget for your week to really figuring out what is important what are what are the goals that God has placed me here for because if we don't intentionally walk like the wise then we default to being foolish and it may not show up in a day or a two but over a course of a lifetime. Our lives and the significance and the impact that we make here is a sum total of how seriously